everyone and welcome to the Sanya Faruqi show. Today we have somebody joining us from France, Rim Sarah Alloin. She's a French academic and commentator as a PhD candidate in comparative law at the University of Toulouse capital in France. Rim Sarah's research focuses on religious freedom, civil liberties, constitutional law and human rights in Europe and North America. Rim Sarah's doctoral thesis explores the practice of Western judges, more specifically in Canada and France with regard to the protection of religious freedom. She cites current events involving the integration of religious minorities, especially Muslims. Rim Sarah has frequently appeared on TV and radio in America and worldwide, including NPR, Al Jazeera, BBC, CBC, ABC Australia, and France 24, discussing discrimination, human rights violation, and politics. Rim Sarah, it is wonderful to have you on the Sanya Faruqi show today. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. It's really a pleasure. So I'm going to start by asking you, tell us very briefly, what is the law of 1905 on the separation of churches and the state? What does the current modification that has been suggested mean? And how does this impact the French Muslims? It's a very good question, and I'm glad you're asking, because when it comes to France, a lot of things uh, are, are being said uh, without people necessarily understanding uh, the, the context, whether it's the cultural context, the political context, and most importantly, the historical context. So what is the law of 1905? It is one of our most important uh, law that is still um, being implemented. Um, and for that, you need a big context. So we have a quite tumultuous uh, relationship with uh, religion in general because of our history and especially our history with the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, and at some point in, his at, in history, uh, there was this desire to, um, to make sure that religion and the state are separated. Of course, it didn't uh, happen uh, like uh, it happened across the years. So uh, the law of 1905 is a law that basically said that the state should, uh, sh should stay out of religious affairs and vice versa. So what does that mean? It's actually quite simple. The state uh, must remain neutral, as in it should not favor any religion any uh, philosophical uh, current of thoughts and its civil servant as well must remain neutral. So for example, a civil servant, because uh, he or she works for the state on behalf of the state, is the state, is not allowed to wear any religious signs. So whether it's a kippah or a big cross or a headscarf or a turban and so on. And on the other end, uh, the idea really is to protect uh, freedom of conscience and freedom of religion. So uh, neutrality uh, is mandatory for the state, but not for the people. And that's where you have the notion of laïcité uh, coming out of it, this idea. Uh, again, that uh, the state has to be uh, neutral. And if I want to make, I often um, give that comparison uh, so that people can get it a little bit because it's a very hard notion to get. Uh, if I need to take another country to compare with for our audience, it would be the United States. 
which actually is a very similar country to France. It's just that because of our history, the management of religion is different. So in the US, you have a wall of separation, uh, meaning that the state uh, is neutral, is agnostic toward uh, religion or you know, uh, conscience in general, right? Whether you have a religion or don't have a religion. Um, uh, and the idea in the US is to protect the people, the people against the abuses of the state in matter of religious freedom and freedom of conscience, right? In France, it's the other way around. Because of our history, we are going to protect the state against the potential abuses of religions, right? So that's a bit the difference. And how does it uh, impact uh, the management of religious affairs? So freedom of conscience and freedom of religion are guaranteed. It's in our constitution. And there is only one element that would restrict religious freedom. It's public order. But otherwise, you can have a religion, change religion, or not have a religion. Uh, and the problem we have in France is that if the historical definition of laïcité is pretty much agreed upon by all you know, political parties and people, its legal definition, however, is not agreed upon, and that's why we have the problem we currently have. Uh, and I will actually transition to the question uh, you asked about Muslims. Uh, why is that? So the law of 1905, where, by the way, the word laicite does not even appear in the law, but it has been inspired by it, um, is quite a liberal law for a country like France. Freedom is guaranteed, especially, again, in the aftermath of our very complicated uh, history with the Roman Catholic Church. Problem is, um, fast forward, uh, you do know we have a colonial past, a uh, pretty bad one, and uh, the face of France changed, especially post, uh, during the post-colonial era with an influx of immigrants coming from North Africa to France in uh, the 60s and the 70s. And of course, you have this new religion, and I, I hate to say new religion because Islam has been part of France for a very, very long time, but you know, it's still considered a new religion. I disagree with that, but still. Um, we have a religion that, um, and that was a case during, uh, especially colonial Algeria, uh, a religion that is deemed incapable of integrating, incapable of abiding with the so-called French Republican values. And as a consequence, it has been like since the 90s, but it has been accelerated in the 2000s, uh, there is a transformation of uh, the, the, the understanding of laicite and from a very liberal concept, again, which allow people to practice their religion or to not practice a religion as long as they do not disturb public order, uh, we have a transformation of this liberal concept into an illiberal one where more and more we adopt pieces of legislation to restrict religious visibility in the public square. How does it unfairly target Muslims in France and why are so many French Muslims against it? What's happening in the country? Of, uh, the recent terrorist attacks we've been through and especially the murder of uh, Samuel Paty, this French teacher who was slaughtered. Uh, yeah, and then others uh, 
horrific attacks, horrific attacks. I have no words, right? Um, instead of responding with pragmatism, instead of bringing a rational response to a very difficult issue, uh, radicalization, you know, terrorism and so on, we respond to these issues uh, in a very emotional way, uh, which is dangerous. So, and here come the law and separatism. Uh, let me tell you something. It's, I truly believe that uh, terrorist attacks are used as an excuse to pass this type of laws. Uh, because, you know, trying to create a so-called, quote-unquote, French Islam that is, uh, that would be compatible, quote-unquote, uh, with French Republican values, and I'm quoting here the uh, political discourse, um, has been going on for years, for at least more than 20 years, right? So again, we have a terrorist attack. How do we answer instead of actually fighting terrorism, instead of actually uh, fighting radicalization, we are going to organize Islam in France. And amend a law that actually has been doing its job since 1905. So uh, the so-called law on separatism, and again, I don't know what separatism is. <laughs> uh, this law has a whole um, list of amendments uh, that not only re restrict civil liberties, but will also um, extend the law of 1905 on limiting religious freedom. So I'm going to give you an example. So yes, of course the law is not, like the title is not, uh, technically the title right now is Law Strengthening Republican Values. But it has been, I mean, the title changed like 50 times, so I even I can't keep up. So it might very well change. The Senate added separatism again, then the National Assembly removed it, and then it's going like back and forth. So, Let's call it Lord separatism for the sake of, uh, you know, simplicity. Um, of course, the law is not a law, law reforming Islam or law, um, you know, it, it would be discriminatory. So the law is equal because it will apply to everybody, of course. But when you look at it, when you look, you know, the devil is really in the details. It de facto will affect uh, Muslim groups. I'm not saying it won't affect other groups because it will, it absolutely will, but the groups who are already in a very difficult position will be even more in a difficult position. So a couple of examples in this law, uh, they plan, I mean, the law plan to extend religious neutrality to uh, employees working for a private company that has a contract with the state which was not the case, or at least there were some difficulties of like certain company who would be like, it's a mission of serv or public service, so technically licensing applies to you. But it was very fuzzy and confusing, and right now they want to extend that type of uh, religious neutrality. Can you imagine you work for a private company, let's say you're a maid or a garbage collector or whatever, you will have to be religiously neutral because your company has a contract with the state, right? Uh, another example regarding freedom of association. Uh, freedom of association will be completely dismantled. Uh, I'm not even sure the amendment will pass the test of constitutionality between the council council. It's, it's outrageous. So we have uh, what we call the Law Valdez Rousseau of 1901, uh, 
uh, on freedom of association, which is one of the most important law in this country, because you, uh, you, you, if you want to know the level of democracy and freedom you have in a country, you take the temperature with many elements, freedom of association being one of them. You know, you should be free to create your own association because it's an expression of the people, group of people, etc. To uh, to make it simple, because it's very complicated. Now, if Muslims, because Muslim association would be mainly targeting, want to create an association, they will have to have the approval of the state. But, for example, by abiding with Republican values. What does that even mean? Right? So, of course, it's tempting. Uh, yes, of course, anyone should abide by Republican values. Uh, of course, but imagine one second. Let's say uh, equality between men and women is indeed a Republican values. It's the principle of equality is constitutionally recognized and so on. We say that your association does not recognize, uh, you know, uh, equality, gender equality. We cannot grant you uh, funding or we cannot subsidize you. Imagine saying that to the Catholic Church. Oh, your religion does not respect gender equality. You don't have female priests. And of course, it won't be the case, right? And, and my point being, uh, there are certain things that we are asking that basically make the state interfere with religious affairs. So another example, your religious association has to abide with human dignity, except that in law, there is no agreed definition upon the term of human dignity, which means if you have a right-wing préfet, so the representative of the state at the local level here in France, is anti-LGBT, right? An LGBT association will want to open like an organization to defend the rights of LGBT. I'm giving another example than Muslim just to show you how it affects uh, the, the whole freedom of association thing. The prefet would be like, oh, your association does not respect human dignity. I'm not subsidizing you. I'm not allowing you to open that. So it's very discretionary. So it gives a lot of power to the state without any possibility to counter it. And that's very dangerous. Same, uh, we asked Muslim imams, I mean, of, imams <laughs> of mosques to assign a charter of values, a charter that basically make mosques respect the values of the Republic. What is that? Again, are we going to ask a church to abide by the values of the Republic by imposing them to have female priests? Don't you think it should be the role of believers of people of that religion, if they want to change things, to push for that change, not the state. That's what, you know, separation of churches and state is. You don't interfere with religious affairs. France is also one of the first countries in Europe to ban full face covering hijabs in 2011, and other countries in Europe still have partial or total burqa bans. How does this impact the Muslims living in these countries? And is this leading or creating the othering of Muslims, especially Muslim women? You know, uh, statistics based on religion and ethnicity are prohibited in France. It's unconstitutional. But Roughly, we Muslims make around 7% of the French population, 7-8%. And yet, they take 99% of the public debate. 
the, every time there is a problem, Islam, the headscarf, the hijab, Islam, the headscarf, political Islam, Islam leftism. I mean, it's not like we have a pandemic. We have students uh, committing suicide, uh, a, a huge rate of unemployment. But no, the Muslims. And at some point, people are drained. It's like, and, and even Muslim women are tired to be in the, A, they are not invited to the conversation. So it's a one-side uh, conversation. You know, we are trying to save Muslim women by actually telling them how they should dress and how they should be freed from their husband, their religion, their brothers or whatsoever. And, uh, and nobody cares about uh, Muslim women, really, or even women's rights, because if we did, we would not do, be doing that. Uh, but you were mentioning the Burke ban, uh, which, which was really non-existent in this country in 2010. I've never seen a, a, a niqab like my whole life until it was mentioned in, uh, on TV. And, uh, and in the end, uh, the niqab ban is just an excuse to go after the Muslim visibility, whatever you think about the niqab, we all have an opinion on the niqab. It doesn't matter, really. It's, I think it's a conversation that should be around Muslim women, uh, you know, theologians if they want, but it's not the state that should decide what is religious or not, what, you know. Um, the, the, the problem is you go after a garment, it works. It will be the next one, right? And, and what happened is, uh, according to many studies that has been done, actually you have more women wearing a, headscarf, um, a niqab, a full face covering now, than before 2010. As an, so many did that as an act of rebellion against the state, uh, or just to make a point, you know. Uh, some tried to bypass the system by wearing surgical masks. So just to say, it was never about the full face covering. It's really about like what it uh you know what it represents and again you can have that conversation it's not the point but as long as a woman choose to wear it whatever her reasons i think that she should be the one you know who decide for herself and i have always said imposing a woman to wear a certain type of garment is the same as forcing a woman to remove that garment i mean when you have countries Muslim-majority countries, like whether it's Saudi Arabia or Iran, saying like Muslim women should dress like this, it's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. But I would say the same for countries who said like Muslim women needs to remove that. And, you know, it's all about uh, women's freedom. I don't like the, like, Muslim, I don't like the word agency, really freedom. Let Muslim women live their lives, right? And, uh, and, and yes, it's affecting Muslim women because especially the young generation uh, many of them are leaving the country, even though they, I mean, I'm talking about money now, they are an economic force. They are young, educated, and uh, they stand their ground now. They speak multiple languages. So, but they are tired and they're like, okay, I'm going to the UK. I'm going to Germany. I'm going to Canada. I'm going to the United States, where at least I can be who I am and still contribute to society. And, and, and which is extremely sad because we are losing our, a part of our citizens because we still believe that because their the Muslimness prevent them from being citizens, which of course is not true. So my next question is, what is political Islam and why is the French government all ready to declare war on it? Is this really a big concern in Europe right now? What is political Islam? Uh, I have no idea. 
and I'm going back to that. Uh, so I, I, I do law, and for me, word, uh, words matter, right? Because, um, you know, a single comma can change uh, the meaning of a sentence, right? Um, if, I, if you really want, like, a beginning of definition uh, that I don't even agree with, uh, if you want, political Islam is, like, an interpretation of Islam uh, as a source of political identity, uh, basically, and uh, certain type of actions. And um, usually uh, it, um, it targets people, activists, groups who uh, want to um, advocate uh, for the creation of a state or society uh, according of their very own understanding of Islam or, you know, uh, yeah, the Islamic faith. Uh, but again, I'm just throwing words here uh, as to what it should be. But the thing is, in law, because I'm a legal scholar, so I speak the language I know, I have no idea what political Islam is. And that's actually the problem. Uh, because what happened is, um, you know, uh, the problem with expression like political Islam or even separatism, uh, we are talking about separatism as well, and it happens in France and it has spread across Europe as well. Uh, since it does not have an agreed upon definition, and since depending on the country or the culture, uh, you know, uh, the definition won't be the same in the Middle East or, you know, uh, Southwest Asia or North Africa uh, as it is in the EU, right? Or Europe as a whole. Uh, it can mean anything and everything. What does that mean? It, the notion is so fuzzy, so blurry that you can including political Islam or separatism, anything you don't like and that you want to ban or restrict. And that's extremely dangerous. So, for example, in France, uh, the mere idea of wearing a hijab is considered by some, whether in the right wing or the far right, or some in the left as well, as a sign of political Islam, as a sign of separatism. For some, eating halal food is considered an act of political Islam or separatism. As you can, you, you know where I'm getting in like here, right? Uh, it, it's, it's extremely dangerous. So uh, what, what happened is, um, uh, or even like holding conservative beliefs, being a conservative doesn't equal being a terrorist, right? And, and the problem is we are using those words to, uh, yes, those blurry words to, to, to ground certain types of law, uh, to, to, yeah, to, to find a, a justification for the adoption of uh, such laws to restrict civil liberties in the name of security. And uh, unfortunately, uh, it has been going on for a while and it's really playing with uh, people's fears. You know, France has been going through a lot, like, Helen back. We have had terrorist attacks since the 90s and we have them more and more. So of course people are afraid. Uh, and, and, and we need to tackle terrorism. We need to tackle foreign interference. Uh, don't get me wrong, but not at the cost of our civil liberties. 
because I believe that it's in time of crisis like this that civil liberties need to be reinforced. Unfortunately, we are falling into the trap of using very uh, blurry terms that are very political in the end because it, it panders to a certain type of electorate, especially the far right, that you need to reassure. And don't forget, we have a whole cycle of election coming, uh, like this June with a regional uh, election, the departmental election, and next year with a presidential election. So we keep repeating those words. And, and of course, it, it, it attracts a certain type of electorate, right? And uh, it's deeply, deeply concerning because, again, like I said previously, we are passing laws that are directly restricting civil liberties and rights and freedoms. And you know when it affects one group, at some point everybody will be affected, but that people don't necessarily see because, oh, it's okay, the law won't apply to us, it's to fight political Islam, it's to fight separatism, so it will be just for the Muslims, basically. Uh, the reality is, yes, the law is designed to tackle a certain group of people, but once one group is tackled, you know history, <laughs> others will follow. It's interesting what we just discussed because an official in the French president's office said the bill was not against Islam, but against people who in the name of wrong or reconstructed version of a religion behave in a way which is contrary to the Republic. We've also heard the usage of the term Islamo-leftism. Do you think these are all tools and narratives used by government officials to go after critics? Of course. Uh, and Islamo-leftism, by the way, is another term that uh, really is conspiracy theory uh, material. Uh, no, of course, uh, and, and uh, actually Islamo-leftism is a very good example of it. Islamo-leftism is a very, I, I call it a cryptic concept because it really is. Uh, it was uh, first coined uh, by um, Pierre-André Taguieff, uh, who is a French uh, philosopher, to basically designate the alliance between Marxist and radical Islam, uh, especially to, um, I mean, originally uh, it was uh, to designate uh, this idea of this use to fight imperialism, you know, and, and so on. So it's, it's a very dodgy one. And uh, one thing uh, leading to another, uh, this concept uh, was uh, used, so by Pierre-André Taguieff and the ultra-conservatives, uh, to go after really anyone who works in the field of discrimination, uh, post-colonial studies, uh, gender, you know, uh, gender studies, uh, and, and, uh, and so on. And um, so... Like I said, this concept was completely distorted and uh, really to discredit uh, progressive thinking within academia. So uh, in the end, if you work in this type of fields and, for example, you disagree or call out the government on certain pieces of legislation and so on, you are deemed siding with terrorists. And unfortunately, what happened is our Minister of Higher Education um, announced on uh, television, uh, I think it was uh, last February, um, that she wanted to launch um, an inquiry on, Islam on the spread of Islamo-leftism and post-colonialism in uh, French universities. And 
you know, it reminded me of the attacks on academics in the 30s that were accused of being uh, Judeo-Masonic. And in the 40s, those academics uh, were arrested and, you know, um, I mean, it was a Vichy regime, so sent and killed, right? So there was a purge of university at that time. So we went from Judeo-Masonic uh, or even before Judeo-Bolshevism, right? To today, Islamo-leftism. So academics are uh, being targeted, even within academia, without, even within, a, 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 unfortunately, very loud uh, part of academia, who refuse this idea that we live in a globalized world and that, you know, there are certain type of study that are necessary today to address certain issues, discrimination, gender, ex gender equality, and so on. And post-colonialism study, which is a huge taboo here in France. Uh, again, we have a complicated history with colonialism that we still haven't addressed or even uh, uh, solved. And um, so she said she wanted to launch this inquiry with the CNRS, the Centre National de Recherche Scientifique, which is our leading uh, academic institution here in France. And the CNRS uh, called out the minister and said, there is no way we are doing that because your uh, assertions are, uh, basically it's fake news, right? Nothing is proven scientifically. Islamo-leftism is not a scientific concept. And basically like, uh, that's not how we work. Um, Even though the president disavowed our Minister of Higher Education uh, statement, um, it's not the first time this is happening. Uh, he didn't disavow our National minister, Education Minister when he said the exact same thing before. Uh, and, and it's also flavored with a strong anti-USA sentiment. Uh, last fall, when the National Education Minister this time said that uh, Islamo-leftism is basically has spread in uh, French campuses, and that it's because of American academics who uh, exported in our country uh, critical race theory, you know, it's really conspiracy theories. And the problem is, uh, you know, on Monday, people do not know what Islamo-leftism is. The next day, the vast majority of French, according to the uh, poll, and I'm not commenting on the method, on the methodology, Uh, agree that we need to fight Islamo-leftism in academia. It's a direct target against academic and it's quite uh, dangerous that basically the government want to shut down voices. How are all of these things from the neutrality principle to banning physical representation of religion, shutting down of religious spaces, how are they an attack on civil liberties as you mentioned earlier but Right now, it's impacting French Muslims. Do you think this will affect individuals from other religions as well? And why should everyone in France be concerned right now? To answer your question, uh, the problem again today in France is that we have more legislation passed uh, to restrict civil liberties. And I didn't see a single law in the past 10 years about liberties and protecting freedoms. So it's sad to see that today, uh, the prohibition, the restriction is becoming the principle and liberty, freedom, and exception. And yes, it will affect everybody because um, the moment you attack a citizen on the ground of who they are, you are attacking the foundation of democracy, 
when you live in a free society, you know, if you take Muslim women like in the headscarf, uh, which is a very tiring topic because in the end, people just want to live their lives. You know, there is a difference between what happened in Paris in the political sphere and what happened in real life where we have 99 other problems, right? Um, we, we touch like the, the you know, the, the, like I said, the forum internum. You are saying someone because of the way you look, you cannot be a citizen. And in the end, it's really, it's less about religion than it is about what does it mean to be French today, right? Because nobody is going, and fortunately, after nuns, walking in the streets. And again, I'm not saying that, uh, again, the, the Catholic, the, I mean, we are not exactly famous for uh, our tolerance towards religion, if you look at our history. But... Uh, all religions will be affected. And actually, you know, the law on separatism, you had Christian leaders who raised serious concerns. Also Protestants, saying that it is dangerous that you are taking a path, you are reaching a point of no return. I believe we have crossed the red line a long time ago, but it sounds like we keep pushing, right? And, uh, and if we let that happen, we will have other restrictions on freedoms. Uh, and if you look more globally, you know, um, just on Muslim, just not just Muslims, but we have uh, another law that is being debated and extremely controversial on global uh, security. For example, preventing journalists from filming cops when they are, uh, you know, during protest or, you know, that was a direct attack on freedom of the press. And just recently, last, I think it was last week. Uh, the Council of State said that it was uh, contrary to the law and it was illegal to do that and rejected said amendment. But still, I mean, the point is the government tried to push for it and you know what? Both chambers agreed upon that. And, uh, and I think the problem is we, we have, and, and I will conclude by that, a hyper-securitization of civil liberties. We see everything through the prism of security. And when you think that security prevailed over, I mean, of course, we all want to be safe. I'm not against security or whatever. We need security, but more we need civil liberties because you only can be safe if your freedoms are protected and guaranteed. On that note, we are running out of time. So very quickly, my last question to you is how much of all of this that's happening will impact or influence local non-Muslim French citizens, considering there are French presidential elections in 2022. Do you think the narrative that is being set through the separatist bill will also be used as a political tool to win votes? Oh, it's always like this, of course. I mean, if you, even if you look at the, throughout the history of different legislation that passed, uh, there is always an election in the corner or a reform that is a social reform that has nothing to do with religion or whatsoever, but a social reform that is so unpopular. Oh, it's the distraction of, uh, you know, and, and we have another problem. So yes, absolutely. We, we pander to the far right again, and uh, which worries me because I still find it extremely concerning that to be able to win an election, you need to seduce, um, ideas that are despicable and people who uh, agree with those ideas, which is the far right. And one of the issues we have here is really, you know, 
uh, I always say that the far right might not be in power, but its spirit is. As far as I'm concerned, Marine Le Pen might not be president, but she already won. Because quite literally, we are applying her program. And you know what? And I hope it won't be the case. But if she's elected president one day, we prepared everything on a civil. We are going to give her everything on a civil platter. Everything is ready. We prepare the field. All she will have to do is basically put into place her ideas, which are extremely dangerous. We have a rise of white supremacy in this country. Uh, white supremacy is uh, growing and we are not paying attention until it will be too late. And, uh, and again, what kind of country do we want to be? The country of liberty, equality and fraternity? Or the country well known to go after people because of who they are? Because in that case, there is no liberty, certainly not equality, and I'm not sure about fraternity. Okay, Rim, Sarah, on that note, I'm going to thank you. We are uh, delighted that you were able to join us and um, have this fantastic conversation. So thank you so much for coming on the Sanya Faruqi show today. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, and I wish you all the best. Thank you. And for those of you who've joined us, thank you so much for watching. I hope you will subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Spotify. And also subscribe to our newsletter to get all the updates on the Sanya Faruqi show. I'm going to see you again next week.